Just sit back and relax. You'll be royally entertained for it's time for Hollywood's Open House. everyone, this is Jim Amici inviting you once again to 30 minutes of pleasure and entertainment at Hollywood's Open House. Swell entertainment by great entertainers. Listen to the music of Ray Block and his orchestra, songs by Jerry Cooper, comedy by Lou Parker, and drama by our beautiful Hollywood guest, Lucille Ball. Once again, this is your host, Jim Amici, opening the doors of Hollywood's open house. All three of our guests are here for a return visit. We have a suspenseful drama with our Hollywood guest star, Lucille Ball, songs by romantic Jerry Cooper, laughter by our guest comedian, Lou Parker, and our own Ray Block and his orchestra. Dvorak wrote Humoresque, and David Rose wrote Holiday for Strings. But it takes Ray Block to dream up an arrangement showing how David Rose might have written Humoresque.
Once upon a time, there was a young man who came along and captured Broadway in a storm of laughter. Not long ago, the same young man did that same thing at Hollywood's open house. Well, the happy ending of this story is that here he is now for his return visit to Hollywood's open house, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. It's nice being back on Hollywood's open house, and it's equally nice being introduced by a fine, upstanding chap like Jim Amici. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell character, and Jim Amici's a character if I ever saw one. Say, Parker, are you calling me a character? I'll have you know I have intelligence, knowledge, and education. Can I say the same for you? You certainly can. Ask me something, Jim. Go ahead, ask me. All right. How old is a person who was born in 1902? Man or woman? Absolutely right. (laughs) Oh. Say, Lou, you've always been identified with musical comedy, haven't you? That's right, Jim. Everybody in show business is identified with something. You can't look at a picture of Jack Benny without thinking of cigarettes. And you can't look at a picture of Lucille Ball without thinking. Period. (laughs) I guess it must be the romantic season, folks. Now is the time of year when girls dream about the man they're going to marry. They put a piece of wedding cake under their pillow and they sleep on it. And in the morning, they wake up and marry some crumb. (laughs) I know, I was in the park the other day and saw a couple of kids playing. They were very cute. One kid kicked his little brother in the stomach. His mother said, Sonny, why did you kick your brother in the stomach? The kid said, it's his own fault. He turned around. (laughs) You know, when I looked at those kids, it sort of brought back memories. Memories of the day I was born. I'll never forget it. Stork was very busy that day attending a convention at Bing Crosby's house. So I had to be brought into this world by a gopher. My parents had a hard time deciding who to take, me or the gopher. Well, when I was five years old, I was still tied to my mother's apron string. And every week, my mother sent the apron to the laundry. I was the dampest kid in the neighborhood. They used to call me Old Man River Junior. When I was six, I had big blonde curls. I looked so much like a girl, I used to follow myself. And I'll never forget the first time I enrolled in school. What a day. All the kids looked so nice in their new outfits, but I came from a very poor family. I didn't even have a pair of shoes, so I just painted my feet brown and laced up my toes. <laughs> but as time marched on, I became as smart as the next fellow. But my luck, the next fellow always turned out to be an idiot. <laughs> but somehow I didn't care because my teacher was proud of me. I was the only kid in the class whose spitballs were approved by good housekeeping. <laughs> Well, after 15 years in public school, I entered high school. (laughs) Genius. Then I went out in the world to make a name for myself. But all the knowledge I had gained in high school was of no use to me in the outside world. After all, who can make a living necking? (laughs) Now, when I was 20 years old, I was a police reporter. I had a report to the police once a month. I outgrew that, though. I remember one day I was walking through the park looking at the want ads when love entered my life. Oh, her name was Peaches Latour. I'll never forget the first time I saw Peaches. She was standing in an air-conditioned patrol wagon. (laughs) With the wind blowing through a crew haircut. She was an ash blonde. All the boys used to put out their cigarettes on her head. (laughs) And I want to tell you, folks, she had teeth like pearls. But Pearl took him back and left him with the most beautiful set of gums I ever saw. <laughs> but I don't know, I, I loved her because she was different. Most girls look like girls. She looked like William Bendix with bloomers. <laughs> I don't know whether she felt sorry for me or not, but she treated me very nice. The first day we met, she pinned a boutonniere on me. 
The second day, she pinned a stick pin on me. The third day, a bank was robbed. She tried to pin that on me, too. <laughs> Another day, she took me home and had me meet a pet mongrel Doyle who followed her everywhere. He slept on her bed, ate her food, and was treated like one of the family. Then one day, she made a discovery. He was one of the family. <laughs> well, after that, I left Peaches and decided to go to Hollywood, where I played in a very important picture. I had a part in the MGM picture, Easy to Wed. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, I... Lou. I saw that picture, and I didn't see you in it, but I guess Lucille Ball was in it. Well, Jim, whether you know it or not, I had a very important part in that movie. At the beginning of the picture, if you remember, I opened the door and let Lucille Ball in. Now, if I don't open that door, Lucille Ball is not in the picture. Now, just think of what had happened if Lucille Ball wasn't in that picture. You see, Lucille is a star, and if they don't have a star, they don't make a picture. If they don't make a picture, the Capitol Theater wouldn't have anything to show. If the Capitol Theater hasn't anything to show, they don't do any business and have to close up. 335 employees in the Capitol Theater are thrown out of work. Over 200 of these employees have children. Their kids may starve. What a rat I would have been. I'm glad I opened that door for Lucille Ball. So long, folks. Cooper has returned. His song, the hit from one of Irving Berlin's greatest hits, They Say It's Wonderful. They say that falling in love is wonderful. It's wonderful. So they say. the moon up above, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, so they tell me, I can't recall who said it, I know I never read it. I only know they tell me that love is grand and a thing that's known as romance is wonderful, wonderful in every way. So they say
just a moment, we'll return to Hollywood's open house starring Lucille Ball, Lou Parker, Jerry Cooper, and yours truly, Jim Amici. It's with the greatest of pleasure that Hollywood's open house welcomes for her return visit with us one of Hollywood's most famous, most versatile stars, Miss Lucille Ball. Miss Ball has consented to demonstrate once again her fine, dramatic talents in a specially written sketch entitled Blind Fear, starring Lucille Ball as Nancy, with yours truly, Jim Amici as George. In a small house at the very edge of the town, set far back from the dimly lit street and separated from its neighbors by a heavy hedge of tall old trees, there sits a couple. The man, young, handsome, leans over a table, busy at a task that seemingly takes great attention and concentration. The woman, young and lovely, relaxes comfortably in a large armchair before the fire. For a long, long while, there is silence. Then the woman speaks. George. Mm-hmm. Coming. What are you doing? Trying to get these accounts to balance properly. No. What's wrong, dear? I... I was just wishing I could see you. Nancy, please. I want so much to see you, George. To look at you, if only for one tiny second. Why did you do it? Why did you marry me? Why? Mm, the usual reason for marrying a woman is that you love her. Love? How can you love a woman who's blind? Who will always be blind? Maybe not always, dear. How can I ever be anything but a burden? Right now you should be out having a good time and look at you. Well, at least maybe I brought you some financial security with the money Dad left me. I may be able to pay you back for all your love and care by leaving you the money when I die. Nancy, don't talk like that. Uh, well, you got it all out of your system. I'm sorry. How are you coming along with the accounts? The bank has to examine them next week, you know. Yes, I know, I know. But I think I'll be quite ready by next week. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Mrs. Rogers? Yes? This is the Consolidated Bank. Mr. Middleton speaking. Is Mr. Rogers still there? He just left for the office. Can I help you, Mr. Middleton? I'm afraid not, Mrs. Rogers. It was about the loan he applied for. The loan? Yes. The one for which you signed permission to use your trust fund as security. I signed? I'm, uh, I'm afraid we can't grant that loan, Mrs. Rogers. The terms of your father's will prohibit the use of your money as security on loans. Uh, will you have your husband call me tomorrow, please? Yes. Yes, I'll have him call. Thank you, Mrs. Rogers. Goodbye. Bye. Loan? I don't know anything about a loan. Why didn't George tell me? Why does George need money? Who signed my name and why? Why?
right, darling? You're all tucked in, ready for sleep. George. Yes, dear. Mr. Middleton called today. Mr. Middleton? What do you want? He said you couldn't have the loan. Loan? What loan? The one I was supposed to have signed for. You, you signed? How much money do you need, George? I don't need any money. That bank must be crazy. Banks are usually very careful about things like that. But banks also make mistakes, and this is one of them. Are you sure, George? Well, of course I'm sure. Why wouldn't I be sure? What do I need money for? Now, forget it. I'll call Middleton in the morning and set him straight in a hurry. Yes, George, you'd better do that. You'd better set him straight right away. Who's that? It's me, dear. What do you want? Well, I heard you tossing around in bed. Can't you sleep? No. Aren't you tired? No. Well, I brought you some warm milk. Well, I don't, I don't want any milk. It'll calm your nerves, then you'll sleep. Come on, drink some. All right. Drink it slowly. Slowly. Take it away. The, what? The milk, it tastes funny. What's in it? In it? Well, there's nothing in it, dear. Take it away, I won't drink it. What? Nancy! Take it away! Take it away, I tell you! Take it away! Nancy? Here I am. Well, Dr. Martin is here to see you, dear. Dr. Martin, what for? I'm not sick. Well, I know, but I thought... Well, I thought it would be a good idea for him to look you over. You've been so nervous and upset these past few days. George, I don't think I'll go with you to the bank next week. Huh? Well, what brought that up? Nothing. I, I just happened to think about it. But you have to go. You have to sign the report. I don't care about the report. I don't care what happens to the money. Really, I don't, George. Well, the money is perfectly all right, Nancy. Yes, I know it is. That's, that's why I don't want to go. I... But you must sign the report, Nancy. Bring it home to me. I'll just sign it here, and then you won't have to... to... I won't have to what? Nothing. Nothing. Where's Dr. Martin? He's waiting in the hall. Bring him in. I want to see him. <laughs> Would you like another pillow, Nancy? No, I don't have to sit up to read. Don't your fingers ever get tired flying over that braille print? No. How much longer does Dr. Martin say I have to stay in bed? Just a few days. What are you reading? Uh, it's about a woman whose husband wants to murder her. He persuades her doctor that she's sick, and then when she's in bed, he puts poison in her food and her milk... She knows he's doing it, too. Oh, ridiculous. Why doesn't she tell someone or get out of the house? Well, she... She loves him and doesn't want anything to happen to him. I can understand that. Nancy, why do you read such nonsense? You'd better give me the book. No, I want to finish it. I, I want to see if he really does kill her. Oh, please, dear, give me the book. I know what's good for you, and that sort of thing is too morbid. No, I won't give it to you. Nancy, give me the book. Give me the book. All right. That's a good girl. After all, I don't want you reading things that get you all upset over nothing. Over nothing? He thinks I don't know. It's because I can't see his face. He thinks I can't tell what's in his mind. He married me because he loved me, he says. 
Me or the money he knew I had. How could I have thought he loved me just because I love him so? It's the money he wants. It's the money. Nancy? Nancy, where are you going? I'm, I'm going downstairs. Well, then wait until I take you down. I want to go down by myself. Well, you know you can't do that. The stairs are very steep. You might kill yourself if you fell. Now, let me help you. Don't touch me. If you want to go downstairs, I'm going to help you. Please let go of me, George. Now, Nancy, come along. The stairs are just a few feet away now. Well, by the way, I was at the bank today. I took the accounts down. Yes? They're going to have a regular accountant go over them. Oh, they are. Now, just a few more steps. You'll be at the head of the stairs, Nancy. Yeah, as soon as the accountant finishes, you and I will go down so you can sign the report. That'll probably be tomorrow. No. Get the steps, Nancy. I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down. Nancy, stop it. What's the matter with you? Take me back to bed. Nancy. Take me away from here. Nancy. All right. I'll take you back to bed. George, I still don't understand. Why does Dr. Martin want to see me tonight? Well... He's been very busy during the day. Why didn't he come to our house? Well, he... Well, he... He has the equipment at his office. Are we there already? No. We're in the park, Nancy. Well, then why have you stopped? There's... Something I have to tell you, Nancy. Tell me later. No, darling. I have to do it now. What is it, George? Why have you stopped the car? Nancy, we're not going to Dr. Martin's office. We aren't? I don't quite know how to do what I have to do, Nancy. You don't really want to do it, do you, George? Oh, it's going to be kind of tough. It's just that there's no other way out. That's right. There's no other way out now. I'd better tell you how it happened. Yes, tell me, George. About three months ago, I heard about something. A new development. Yes. I investigated. I didn't want to tell you about it until I was sure it was all right. It looked good. It looked almost too good. The only trouble, it would take money. So you ask for a loan. That's right. I even forged your name. Oh, George. Why didn't you ask me? I couldn't. But it's all got to come out now anyway, and it's... Worse than if I hadn't tried to carry it through myself. No, no, it's still all right, George. I don't care what silly mistake you've made. Let's just forget about it and go home, huh? No, we can't go home now, Nancy. We have to go through with it now. Listen to me, Nancy, and try to understand. No, no, I don't want to hear any more. Just do whatever you're going to do with me and get it over with. I can't stand it any longer. Nancy, don't get excited and upset. I was sure my plan was a good one, but Dr. Martin was right... I should have told you right away. Dr. Martin. He said you'd need rest, that I'd have to sneak certain medicines to you and your food. Medicines? What does that have to do with the money you lost on the bad investment? Bad investment? Lost money? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why did you stop here? To tell you we're not going to Dr. Martin's office. We're going to the hospital. They're going to operate on your eyes in the morning. An operation on my eyes? Oh, George. 
George, I oh, thought... Darling, don't, don't let it worry you. I, I've investigated it thoroughly. I'm not it, it worried, just... darling. I'm not worried. I'm just happy. Oh, my God. Let's go, George. Let's go right away. Oh, George. Darling, <laughs> darling you, you're smothering me. Oh. Don't you like it? Mm, I like nothing better. <laughs> Say... What was that stuff you were saying about money and investments? Oh, that. Oh, darling. I suspected you of... Oh, I could never tell you. Forgive me, darling. Forgive me. My sincerest thanks to Lou Parker for his laughter, Jerry Cooper for his songs, and to Lucille Ball for her wonderful dramatic performance. We all look forward again to a return visit from all of you. And now this visit to Hollywood's open house comes to an end. Our music is under the direction of Ray Block. Our script is by Lee Shane. The program is produced under the direction of Ray Green. This is Jim Amici inviting you to Hollywood's open house next week at this same time. <laughs>